Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to John Farrell of 90 West Data. After a successful career in sell-side research, John and a colleague gained access to a differentiated U.S. consumer transactions data set, and 90 West Data is the resulting company. In our conversation, John and I spoke about challenges involved in selling alternative data, the tailwinds behind growth in the alternative data ecosystem, and likely consolidation in the sector. I began by asking John about the alternative data scene in Cleveland, Ohio, where 90 West is based. Well, I think like anywhere else, it's growing. Uh, there are actually quite a few traditional sell-side equity research firms in the Cleveland area. And for whatever reason that's happened over the last 20 to 25 years, there's at least a half a dozen firms selling research services to big institutional investors based in the Cleveland area. So I would assume as the data space continues to grow, you'll see more and more alternative and data, other, otherwise data providers uh, pop up here and there as well. Does the, um, does the Cleveland area have a bit of a history of kind of asset management or anything like that? You know, in, in Britain, there are, you know, for example, Scotland and, uh, and around Edinburgh has a, has a long history of being quite good at managing money. Is there anything like that culturally? Well, certainly it's nothing like uh, New York or Chicago, uh, mm. but for being a kind of mid-sized Midwestern city, in the U.S., it has a pretty uh, robust economy. There's a lot of old money here in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, similar to you know Detroit or Milwaukee or Pittsburgh, where there was a lot of money made uh, by the robber baron industrialists a hundred years ago. And there's still a lot of uh, the uh, kind of the cultural and financial benefits of that uh, boom a hundred years ago are still very evident. Uh, so th- there, there's a pretty thriving economy here, and uh, you know it's it's done well through COVID, and it seems to be uh, really booming right now, just generally. I mean, it sounds similar to in Britain, as I mentioned, Scotland, but also in the north of England, some are kind of Leeds and Manchester, and all the cities to to an extent have got some kind of asset management, just because, as you say, it's kind of industrialists and and um, and and generating local wealth and then um, finding ways to to invest it. So it sounds um, sounds sounds familiar. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. Um, so can you give me a little potted intro into, into yourself and your background and kind of take me up to how you came across alternative data as, a, as an idea? Yeah. So really the past almost 20 years I've spent uh, on the traditional sell-side equity research business. Uh, I was at a firm called FTN Midwest Research back in the early 2000s and then left with a, a group to start a firm called Cleveland Research back in 2006. And, and Cleveland Research was really well known and continues to be really well known for uh, you know, uh, high quality grassroots, kind of a lot of surveys, a lot of channel checks, uh, research uh, into, uh, again, they cover a lot of cons- uh, probably 150, 200 stocks. Um, and they have a really good reputation for being kind of an in-depth kind of a, a player there. Uh, and what I had noticed, you know, I, I, and again, I left there in 2019, so just about 12 to 18 months ago. Uh, the, uh, what I noticed in this space is, uh, more and more of our customers, these big hedge funds, big mutual funds were, were, uh, 
budgeting more of their commissions towards data and saying rather than you know have an expert tell us what their opinion is on on some uh, uh, some company or some sector let's let's look at data and that can be anything as you know you know it can be U.S. consumer transaction data which is what 90 West does it can be uh, geospatial data it could be NLP uh, uh, natural language processing of of conference calls it can be um, weather data, it can be any kind of thing that would give these investors some insight into the investment they're making. So uh, my partner, Pat Hearns, and I uh, started thinking about a way to take advantage of that trend towards data. And a very long story short, we got our hands on a unique panel of U.S. consumer transaction data. And really, as of mid-2020, started uh, getting that in the hands of some of these big hedge funds and mutual funds. And it's been a, it's been a, a good ride so far. So the so the data kind of came first in terms of you were you got this you got this access and you were like okay let's 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 make the most of it or was it was it more you um, set off looking and then you found it a little combination of both it it we we had our eyes open and ears to the ground for this type of opportunity and uh, came across something that made a lot of sense uh, and it took us a little bit of time to get all the I's dotted and T's crossed with regards to compliance and permissible use and no personal information included, that sort of thing. So uh, it took us a little bit of time, but we, we uh, yeah, it just kind of was an opportunity that it was out there once we started kind of, uh, kind of looking for it. So it was, it was kind of fortuitous. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and so, but when you were just, just dwelling a little bit on your, on your, on your research experience yeah. before, I mean, was, was Cleveland research involved in, in data at all, or was it just, you were, you were, you were there and you were seeing this kind of stream opening up to, um, kind of competing with you in a way, like instead of, instead of spending on you for research, they were spending on, on the data itself. And you were kind of seeing that that was the way the cookie was crumbling or were you part of that stream. Yeah. So there's, there's two things. One, the, the commission budgets had been under pressure uh, for that traditional sell side equity research business for 10 or 15 years. That had just been kind of a, a feature of that market. And, and mm. my old firm, Cleveland Research, actually was faring pretty well in that battle uh, for, for, uh, for commissions. Uh, one of the directions our clients were pulling us was, uh, and again, Cleveland Research had done surveys for 10, 15, 20 years on a very regular basis. And they were saying, is there a way to quantify and sell that as a data stream as opposed to uh, you know, the, the survey results? And so we were being pulled a little bit. We were dipping our toes in the, in the data waters uh, a, a little bit, but it, was really, but it was really out of the core competency of that, that, our, that firm. That makes sense. So um, you came across this um, this excellent um, data panel, this this data source, and um, you founded Ninety West Data. Um, and so, why don't you tell me a little bit more more about the, um, the the data that you have? It's it's consumer transaction data. You were saying, yeah, it's consumer transaction data. Uh, it it is uh, you know data from millions of people that we get on a daily basis. Uh, so it gives you a pretty good read into both specific merchants that we would map the data to, uh, both public and private. Uh, but it also gives you a good read into overall consumer health and overall consumer trends because you can get location data you know, from a zip code perspective. You can get uh, demographic data about the consumers in a bro- broadly. Uh, so it's, it's really pretty insightful data. Uh, and it's, it's proven you know, based on our 
our, our work with the data to, to have a pretty good uh, uh, read into what's actually happening out there. So you can get a pretty good read into if trends at a specific merchant are ahead or behind what expectations are for that uh, company. You can get a pretty good read on that uh, on a real-time basis, which is really helpful if you're you know, trying to make judgments about whether to buy or sell a stock. Sure. Is there a geographical focus to it? Uh, it is It is more of a less, it, I, guess, I should say it's less coastal, I'm told. I have not seen uh, a, a lot of other panels in, in detail, but what I'm told is our, our uh, geography is less coastal than some other, so more, more center of the country. So perhaps it can be used for understanding how the, the Midwestern farm wife is, is or, you know, housewife is, is, is interacting or something like that. It's a, so it would be, is there, is there anything you can extrapolate from that yourself or, or that's kind of what you're selling, I suppose, and that's what somebody who would buy it would, would be trying to do? Yeah, and, and we're seeing folks look at our data set on a standalone basis and say, I'm going to use this on a standalone basis and make decisions based on this. But I think more often you're seeing, at least the firms we're dealing with here early on, mix it with other data sets, whether that's other consumer transaction data sets to fill in holes that uh, those other data uh, sets might have, or mix it in with a, a completely different type of alternative data to generate some insight. And that type of analysis is generally proprietary to the, the specific fund that's putting that, that, uh, that strategy into place. Sure. Okay. Um, and so what do you think? Um, so you've entered, as you said, so September, 2019 is when, when, uh, 90 West began. So that's when your, when your alternative data story really kicked off. And I've noticed. I mean, you've 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 entered with a with a bang in a way in terms of um, you know you've got a you've got a newsletter. You're you're quite active on LinkedIn. I've I've seen you at our um, clubhouse events. Um, so you've you've thrown yourself. I, it seems to me into the into the alternative data world. What are your what are your impressions as a as a kind of new entrant? Similar. I mean, similar to me as a new entrant. I've I've really enjoyed it, and and the the people I've met have been wonderful and. Uh, the fact that it's a, a high growth industry, meaning uh, I think we're really in the early innings of what this will eventually look like, you know, five, 10 years from now. Uh, so that's, that's been fun, the, this level of excitement that everybody seems to have. That does not mean that it's easy. That does not mean that, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, not what, you know, has no, there's no issues that we've, we've had to overcome, but I've really enjoyed and enjoyed uh, that aspect, the, 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 I, the high growth, the excitement that everybody seems to have. Uh, and I'm glad, thanks for noticing uh, the fact that I've been out there. It's good to see uh, that effort is working. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, in terms of, so, and, and obviously, since you're new to it, then, then you're, as you say, you're kind of facing new challenges. What's the challenge as, a, as an alternative data provider? Is the, is the challenge finding the appropriate uh, potential buyer or is it um, finding the best way to um, package it to get it to them, or is it is it trying to differentiate yourself from the competition? What have what have you found has been um, you know what's it like being a being a being a salesman in this in this world? Yeah, so we my partner Pat and I come at this from a little bit different angle because we are not data guys; we were uh, equity research guys. So we have come at it from the angle of of Wall Street. We you know had a really good handle on the compliance requirements. 
that go into selling to a big hedge fund or a big mutual fund. Um, so we haven't had a, and, and again, having spent 15 or 20 years selling to the hedge fund and mutual fund community, I, I had contacts at a lot of these places so I could get that initial meeting. And I, I knew how to, you know, navigate the halls a little bit more than somebody who is just uh, coming from the, the data side of things. So we haven't had, fortunately, a, a ton of trouble getting those initial meetings. I, I will say the, the one thing I've learned in, uh, is, is uh, the commitment on the behalf of the buyer that needs to be put forward to test the data. So they're allocating what are very scarce resources uh, from a data science resource perspective. Uh, you know, it could take weeks or months to, to really take a good look at a new alternative data source and how does that mix with what you're already using and what alpha can you generate from those insights. Uh, and, and all for, you know, no guarantee that the data set's gonna be value add. So they could spend weeks or months doing all this work and come away with nothing. Uh, I've heard statistics, I think from the folks like Eagle Alpha who put these out, where they say you know, 10 or 20% of data sets that are reviewed go ahead and get purchased. So you're looking at 80 or 90% of the data sets you're looking at you know, goes, goes nowhere. So that's been a surprise to me is just how long and uh, the sales cycle is in the, in the, in the, uh, the commitment, I'll say, from the, the buy side guys. Does that mean there's quite a big job to do to persuade them to try you even because they, it's such a big undertaking from their side that they can only probably try a, a limited number of data sets in order to go through that process. And so you need to, you know, you've, you've got a, you've got a big hurdle to, to demonstrate that you've got that, that you're worth it. You know, you're worth even trying. Yeah, it is. It is a big hurdle. We are fortunate having a uh, consumer transaction panel. People have a, I generally have an understanding of what that is, why it's valuable, why it's potentially valuable. And uh, a lot of these folks have been working with consumer transaction data for some time. So from that perspective, I'm not trying to sell them something they've never heard of or is brand new to them. It's more uh, uh, just getting in line so that once the data resources are, avail are available on their side, uh, we're kind of next in line. So uh, that, that's been it, but it, it has been, uh, it, it's been, it's been an interesting, interesting process. I've learned a lot, uh, certainly, uh, but the, the people on the buy side are, have been great. They're very knowledgeable. I've learned a lot from them about how they work with data and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a great experience so far. I recently had a conversation with, with Crux Informatics and what they do is um, they, they form connections between, so they, they call themselves the DHL of data. And essentially they try to make it easier um, to get data from one side to the other. Um, and one of their issues is the, is the kind of time constraint of um, kind of what you describe is after data has been kind of uh, has been agreed that yes we want it or yes we want to take it on board then there's a huge amount of time sometimes in 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 hooking it up and actually the 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 actual movement of data from one side to the other um it strikes me that alternative data is an area where people are having ideas and innovating and coming up with solutions to problems all the time what do you see as being 
perhaps important problems that need to be solved or perhaps areas where there's likely to be a kind of step forward in maturity just as the as the as the I mean you've been in research so you've seen how entire markets have developed and you know gone through their gone through their life cycles um do you do you have a view on kind of the next step in in alternative data's maturity and how that's likely to develop uh yeah you know there's a lot there um and 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 this this idea that you ha- we have to streamline the ability for these firms to work with different data sorts, data sources, and whether that's you know coming up with different standards uh, that make it easier to work with, because really you know there's maybe fifty to a maybe seventy five or a hundred big mutual funds and hedge funds globally that have internal data science teams that are sophisticated enough to bring in a variety of different data sets and internally put it, put those all in a, a, a format where they can work with them and draw conclusions uh, from all those different data sets. So uh, as we, uh, you know, continue mature as an industry, I think making the data itself easier to work with is going to be a big deal. Uh, I think uh, from a uh, compliance perspective, making that much more of a streamlined uh, uh effort will be helpful as well. And you are seeing, you know, the uh, FINRA and other regulatory bodies pay more attention to alternative data, which I think is a, a positive because mm. the more comfortable the buyers are that this data is, you know, checks all the boxes from a compliance perspective, the easier it is to sell, the easier it is, the more comfortable they're going to be using the data. So I think that's a positive. So you have uh, streamlining the actual data that itself, streamlining the compliance process. Those are those are two uh, two big things. Uh, so you know we'll see. There there's a lot of creative things that will happen over the next couple of years, and and making everything just easier to work with. So that number I mentioned earlier, where only ten to twenty percent of the data sets that are being reviewed are being uh, brought on board. If you could get that number up to 40 to 50%, that's a huge efficiency gain for the industry. I mean, but there's two sides to that, aren't there? Is that if you're going to do that, if you're getting it up to 40 or 50%, then maybe they're being even pickier on who they on who they even check out. You know, maybe it just makes... So I suppose what you're talking about is, is increased efficiency in terms of the, the decision is made earlier on in the process uh, because it's clearer in an easier way that yes, we want to test it because there's a really good chance that this is going to be useful data. Yeah, potentially, but you, and you, in that process, weed out the, uh, the data that's not as valuable as, as, as others, which, uh, again, I would see as a positive if you are able to, uh, fail fast. So bring in a data set and realize in three days that it's not going to be a value is better than spending three weeks, looking at a data set only to realize it's not going to be of value to you. What about the, um, what about the kind of overall shape of the market? Do you have any views on that in terms of whether consolidation is likely anywhere or would be a, would be a good thing for everyone or, or anything like that? Have you got any thoughts? I, I definitely think consolidation is coming. You saw, you know, second measure was acquired by, by Bloomberg. That was kind of the, the big one. But if you pay attention, there's been uh, four or five, other alternative data vendors that have been acquired or uh, uh, two merged together, that sort of thing, where uh, you know you you can leverage 
sales resources. You can uh, mix two data sets together to make it uh, into a, a better signal. Um, so I, I don't know exactly how that plays out, but you know the fact that you know these the, the folks like Eagle Alpha and New Data and Battlefin advertise that they have over a thousand data sets and data vendors on their platforms. I think is I think that's probably too many, and not all all thousand of those are are adding a ton of value. So uh, you you it would make sense for there to be some consolidation over the next. It could be a couple of years, but I think that's definitely something that's going to be happening. Since you've got a, 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 a sounds like a pretty unique um, consumer data set, um, consumer transaction data set, might there be a case that consolidation might, in your case, kind of defeat some of the value? If, if, if like the more um, kept apart these unique data sets are, um, and the more they're, they're kept apart from each other, differentiation seems to be a bit of a bit of a key word in terms of we've got access to this data set, which other people do not. And if all the data sets got piled on top of each other, then it would be hard to perhaps maintain an edge. And so some of the value might be the, the separateness of, it, of, the, of the data sets. Is there something in that? Or you'd want to be the consolidator that has all the unique data sets under one roof, because uh, then you could control uh, the access to the different, the different data sets. Um, but I'd, I'd have to think about that a little bit, but I, I think the, the value, uh, you know, to being potentially a one-stop shop or the value to being, uh, the ability to, to have, you know, a consumer transaction data set and, a, 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 you know, some insight onto weather and some insight into, you know, app, tr uh, trends, uh, you know, there, there could be some benefit to that again, because if you are a big buyer and you're coming to one place, you know, everything's going to be in a similar format. So it's going to be easy to work with. You uh, uh, have less concern about, you know, the, the uh, as you test a new data set, you know, getting that in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, a format where you can then do the work on it takes a lot of time. So if, if one firm has multiple data sets and they can, you know, do something along the lines of, of streamlining the upload uh, or the preparation process of the data set for the buyer, that could be a big, a big benefit because I know Again, I've seen numbers where 80% of the time that these buyers are spending reviewing the data sets is spent just organizing the data in a way that they can then do the analysis. So if you could streamline that in some way, I would think that would be helpful. For sure. Okay. Um, and what about potential buyers of, of alternative data that you've mentioned? You've mentioned um, the hedge funds um, particularly and... Are you are you looking further afield already? Are you looking further afield for the future? Where where do you see the um, the potential clients coming down the line? Yeah, and I think you've seen the institutional investment uh, space be kind of the lead here, and they've been the the innovators. And uh, behind that, you see uh, you know private equity firms, uh, and I think the biggest opportunity of them all is in the corporate space where uh, you know, it's a little bit different use case of the data. They care less about you know, quarterly results or that sort of thing, and more about you know, consumer insights and competitive intelligence. Uh, so that is a really big opportunity going forward. Uh, that said, you know, our focus right now is just on the investment space. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, we are focused on that right now and are keeping our eye on a couple of these other areas and have had initial conversations with a couple of prospective clients uh, but nothing uh, 
too in depth at this point in time. In your in your specific case, from a from a corporate patent, competitive intelligence perspective, perhaps, then we've got. Um, so, if you are, I don't know, McDonald's, then you might be interested in consumer transaction data about specifically about your competitor. So, you know, how is Burger King doing in in you know such and such a region or across the United States, or what are the trends or or that kind of thing. Um, from your perspective, if you are selling to a corporate, would you be, um, do you think you would be trying to um, find those stories and present them to them? Or, or do you think you'd be saying, look, we've got US data and you can, you can find what you want in it type thing. If you want to look for Burger King, be my guest type thing. The, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about this internally and there's an endless number of questions you can ask the data to get interesting insights. I would assume, and again, this is an assumption because we haven't, I don't have a ton of experience selling to the corporate market, but mm -hmm. similar to the uh, hedge fund world where you have the top, you know, 50 hedge funds in the world who have internal resources and say, effectively, you know, send me the data and I'll figure it out. I, I would assume on the corporate side, if you have a big company, like you had mentioned McDonald's, I don't know anything about McDonald's, uh, by the way. Uh, I would assume they might they might be in a position to say, I have an internal data science team and I'm looking for external data sources to help me figure out business questions I might have. Now, there are hundreds and thousands of other, you know, to, to, to stay in the restaurant space, restaurants that would also have interest in competitive intelligence or consumer trends within their certain sector or, you know, what's going on in this zip code or that zip code in the U.S., uh, to try to get some sense of, of consumer trends. I, you know, the vast, vast majority of those type of restaurants have no data science resources at all. So they, I would assume, again, I would, they would need to have some sort of reporting function or uh, something along those lines. So it's, it's a bit, uh, uh, you know, that's a steep learning curve for me in 90 West. Uh, but the, again, the number of questions, interesting questions you can ask this data is you know you could go on for for hours and hours perhaps i'm wondering and this is obviously this is kind of blue sky thinking kind of kind of conversation a bit because um we're just imagining but um but potentially it might make more sense for a kind of for something to emerge like a kind of retail external data consultancy which buys up all the restaurant data that it can get its whole hands on and then can sell those you know can sell all the competitive insights to mcdonald's um that mcdonald's is interested in and also probably sell all the ones that burger king's interested in as well to them type thing and and they potentially the the challenge will be like buying all the data up and having it in one place and then and then selling it off in packages maybe that's the most efficient way yeah that would be a tall task to try to buy up all the data resources. Uh, it, you know, but I think importantly, it's, it's not a zero sum game where, you know, if, if, uh, you know, you, you buy one data set, you're not going to buy another one. I think there's room for multiple data sets to, to get in and, and demonstrate that they can add value, uh, in a different way, uh, than maybe some others. Um, but you would think, I mean, we talked about this a couple minutes ago, that there, there will be some consolidation because as a data buyer, uh, even if you're a, a mega corporation like a McDonald's or a, a, an enormous uh, mutual fund that's buying a lot of different data sources, it's, it's hard to sift through a thousand different data vendors and data sources to, to vet them as, 
you know, uh, credible sources of data that are going to be around for the long haul uh, to vet them, at, you know, from a compliance perspective, how are they getting the data? How are they gathering the data? And how are they delivering the data? Like that's, that's just, just a tall task to, to vet all of those different data sources. So you'd think logically that at some point in time, there's going to be uh, consolidation under a single umbrella, uh, you know, whether that's one of the big players like a Bloomberg or a, a fact set, I'm, I'm not sure how that plays out. Um, but as this evolves, and one of the things that gets talked about is alternative data will eventually just be considered data. And it'll just be part of the normal data feed that all these uh, people, whether it's investors or corporation or corporate decision makers, uh, as they make decisions, and, and th this is just part of uh, the broader data set that they will re review, whether it's called alternative data or not. I'm, I'm a, I, I love that because I'm intrigued by, you know, kind of histories of alternative data in that if it's the fate of alternative data to one day just become data, you know, perhaps in the, I don't know, like I was just trying to think of examples, you know, like, like purchasing manager, purchasing managers indexes, perhaps when they first came out, they were the kind of sexy thing. And, and if you had access to them, then they were, you know, they would give you an edge and, and then gradually they, they became ubiquitous and then were subsumed. I'm just in, intrigued by, you know, maybe data is just this big pool and new things come along all the time and then they just get, get kind of gradually subsumed into it. Yeah. I like that picture. And if you go back even further, you know, a hundred years ago when, when, the ticker tape, you know, the people who had a faster ticker tape or had a, a, what we would consider today being very uh, common information was much less common, certainly before the internet, but before, you know, before that even. So to have access to data and insights that your competitors didn't in a more timely fashion has been giving, you know, decision makers and investors an edge for, for centuries. Exactly. I was about to outflank you, John, by talking about the the Rothschild brothers who um, who had a uh, you know they they had offices in in Frankfurt, Paris, and London, and so were able to transmit the information of the you know Battle of Waterloo faster than anyone else because they could just do it between offices and take advantage before the before the news actually got through. So um, yeah, there's a long there's a long history of having having alternative data, which is ahead of the rest of the pack. And maybe they had faster carrier pigeons than everybody else. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, John, that's great. I think that's, uh, I think that's been a really good um, kind of comprehensive conversation around, around um, what you're doing at 90 West and also the alternative data sector in general. And, and as I say, I, I, I see you kind of entering it and kind of uh, having an influence. So, um, so very, very good to touch base and, and best of luck with, with everything you're doing with 90 West. Great. I appreciate your time and thanks for having me on today.